You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how the combine kicks off later this week. We're going to hear from Brian Gudekinst and Matt LaFleur early in the week. And, of course, we will follow all of that right here on Locked on Packers. Before the Combine comes, I want to get a guest on to, to preview that, talk about some players to keep an eye on. There are a ton of them to watch for the Packers. And in the case of the receiver, we're actually going to talk today about why some of the stuff at the Combine might be overrated for receivers. And so if you have a draft crush, if you're the kind of person who gets into all of this and you have a receiver – whether it's Jalen Rager or Justin Jefferson or T. Higgins or Brandon Ayuk or K.J. Hamler or Denzel Mims, whoever it is, do not worry about their 40 time. All right, we're going to talk about all of that a little bit later. I want to start because not free agency, but Packer signings have already started. The Packers agreed over the weekend to a deal with Mason Crosby, a three-year, $12.9 million deal. Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network reported it's going to be $6 million in the first year, $3.5 million in the second year. And what that does for the Packers is, depending on the specific specifics, and we don't have those at this moment, uh, we, we might get them today. By the time you're listening to this, they may already be out. But it's going to be in that $4 million range in all likelihood in terms of a cap hit this season. For If we're assuming some of that guaranteed money is spread out over the life of this contract in that $4 million range. So it's going to leave Green Bay in that $20 million range, a little bit less than $20 million. Now remember, they can still open up space, Jimmy Graham, Lane Taylor. But until free agency and even after, their offseason hinges on what they do with Brian Bulaga. And if they move on from him, that leaves a big hole at right tackle. It means potentially finding a free agent option who probably is going to cost something close to as much. Because, you know, even if Bulaga is going to get, let's say, 10 or even 12, Billy Turner last year, who is a guard, got a four-year $28 million deal. That's $7 million average per year. For a guard, tackles are more expensive. If you're going to get a Billy Turner-level tackle in free agency, he's going to cost eight, nine plus. So if you're going to do that, just take Brian Bulaga back, assuming he is willing to come back, assuming the money is right, all that stuff, of course. Or you go into the offseason Begging Jared Valdir to play another season after he had retired 
and and they signed him out of retirement or a rookie, in which case all the mocks that have been out there will have to change because all of a sudden offensive tackle will be the number one priority for the Packers ahead of linebacker in all likelihood and ahead of receiver in all likelihood. It's just how Green Bay has built its team over the post-Ron Wolf era and even in the Ron Wolf era, but we're talking about his tree of GMs, Ted Thompson and now Brian Gutekunst. They build in the trenches, and that still makes sense. Brian Bulaga was a first-round pick, and they've taken offensive linemen in the first before. Derek Sherrod was a first-round pick. We don't know if that pick would have worked out. Catastrophic leg injury prevents him from impacting the game because he just never could get and stay healthy. And you look at all the defensive players in the first round for the Packers, so many of them in the trenches in the Ted Thompson era, Justin Harrell early and Dayton Jones, Nick Perry, Clay Matthews, BJ Raji, Jarrell Worthy in the second round. They dedicated a lot of resources, traded up for Jason Spriggs. They dedicated a lot of resources to bolstering the trenches. So if you let Brian Bulaga go, then you are going to, in all likelihood, say, okay, now it's time to look at either free agency or more likely the draft to find that next guy. And maybe it's as simple as Billy Turner is going to move to right tackle and Lucas Patrick is going to be your starting guard. Maybe they're going to release Corey Lindsley or try and find a trade partner to free up the eight-plus million that, that he's due this year. And then you can feel better about signing Brian Bulaga. There's a lot still to go here, but Brian Bulaga remains the linchpin of where they go in the draft and free agency. Everything hinges on what they do with Bulaga. Now, what's interesting, aside from all of that, because I think that's interesting too, I wrote about this for Acme Packing Company today. I looked at Sports Info Solutions total points metric. You either earn points on offense or you save points on defense. And I compared positions. I wanted to know if the premium positions were really giving out the kind of value we expect them to be. Quarterback, receiver, offensive tackle, cornerback, and pass rusher. Were those guys significantly better in terms of their value added than the other players on the field. And what we found when we went back and looked at the numbers is, for the most part, those are the right positions. Quarterback, edge rusher, receiver, cornerback. Now, the interesting thing is linebacker actually comes in near the top of the list, ahead of positions like cornerback and receiver. And we've talked about that position a lot. We've talked about this total points metric before and the impact of a linebacker. And there's a lot of linebackers who make an impact on the game. I I think by sheer volume, total points is by its nature a volume stat. So the fact that you're in on every play matters. But, of course, being in on every play means you as a player matter. And the Packers don't have a guy there. Now, this is related to Brian Bulaga specifically because... Offensive tackle is further down the list than you would assume behind linebacker, behind safety, behind cornerback, behind receiver. So the point that I made in the story was if the Packers are going to move on from Brian Bulaga or if they're considering moving on from Brian Bulaga, it may be the case that replacing him with 
you know, let's say the 25th best offensive tackle or even the 35th best offensive tackle, the drop-off in value might not be that big, especially on an offensive line that is already very good. So is it the worst thing in the world if they let Brian Bulaga walk? Now, I am still firmly in the camp that I think it makes sense to sign him, that it would be wise to sign him. This is, this is the window. This is the time. And unlike receivers, unlike cornerbacks, unlike some other positions where you can come in right away and impact the game, it is taking offensive linemen longer than ever to come in and impact the game. So why would you leave the fate of this closing Super Bowl window up to a rookie offensive lineman? If it were me, it's just not how I would handle it. If you're spending more time than you would like on your own handling it, maybe you need a little extra boost of confidence to get you back in the game. We're talking about BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com brings you the first Chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Remember, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants a little extra function to enhance his performance in the bedroom. Bluetooth is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than going to a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code Locked On to try it free. So I want to talk about the combine a little bit, just in in broad terms, some 30,000-foot view stuff. And the the sexy drill is the 40-time. They don't even show some of the other drills that are really important, by the way, and that a lot of teams think are very important. But from a big-picture standpoint, Jonah Tulls and I last week were talking about this idea of not counting it twice. And that is a critical thing here. Henry Ruggs and Jalen Rager are going to go out and they might, they might run 4-2-2, 4-2-5, They're not going to go shooting up draft boards, okay? This, that is going to be a narrative if they run that fast number. But you put on the tape. You watch those guys. They are lightning. They are lightning. Now, if they go out and run 4-4-1, that is when all of a sudden you start to go, now wait a second. They look fast in college. Are they really that fast? 441 is still fast. It's still really fast, but it is not 428 fast. It's not 422 fast. It's not my favorite football phrase. I had a, a personnel person refer to it as oh shit speed to me a while back. And I love that because it makes the defense and the fans at home go, oh, shit. Or if it's your guy, you go, oh, shit. <laughs> All right, we won't, we won't do that one again. Um, <laughs> uh, but you, if you are fast and, and what, you, what you need to run is a fast time and you run a fast time, it doesn't count twice. Now, if you're a player who maybe doesn't look as fast on tape – 
or we don't know. Do, you know, you, he's a player who doesn't run a lot of vertical routes, for example, or in the offense that he plays in, there's just not a lot of space for him. And and that guy goes out and runs four four. That matters more because it is either answering a question that an NFL team has, or causing a team to say, oh. Well, maybe he's faster than we thought. Maybe he can do things beyond what we've already seen. Because remember, a player's tape, what they've shown in college, is what they were. It's not what they can be. It's like going to a grocery store and saying, I don't see food here. Well, that's because you have to make it. You don't go to the grocery store to get beef stroganoff. You go to the grocery store to get stuff to make beef stroganoff. Beef stroganoff is delicious, by the way. That's what these college players are. They're, they're groceries. They're, they're individual pieces. And it's up to an NFL team to say this is what they could be in the NFL. This is what they project to be in the NFL. And it's probably closer to buying a steak. But I, the piece of meat analogy, I just I really want to stay away from it at all costs. But it's something closer to that or a piece of fish. It needs some seasoning. Let's go, let's go full vegetarian here. It's like if you're if you're a vegan and you go to the grocery store, you get a cauliflower and you're gonna make a cauliflower steak. By the way, cauliflower steak's pretty good. I don't I'm I'm not vegetarian or vegan, but cauliflower steak, if you do it right, that stuff is real delicious. But it 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 has to be prepared right. It has to be put in the right situation. You can't just bring it home and slap it on a plate and call it dinner. That's not how it works. So they, these players are more than what they've seen. And that's why these testing numbers are important because a lot of the athletic profiles speak to upside. Players with athletic potential who have athletic gifts that maybe have yet to be harnessed often have higher upsides depending on the position now, and this is important, depending on the position, if they have these tools, they can be put on a track to improve. Now, receiver is not like that. And we talk about these toolsy receivers all the time. It's something that you hear about, oh, if he could just learn how to do X, Y, and Z, if he could just learn route running, if he could just learn to make better better catches with, with contest, if he could just learn a little better body control, a little better balance, a little better intelligence. No, no. In fact, Harvard did a study And they found that no position was less correlated to success in the NFL with speed than at receiver. It it basically did not matter how much at a certain point. I mean, obviously, there if you run four eight, probably can't play receiver in the NFL. But that the the increase in speed did not make you any more likely to be a better player. The stopwatch is not the thing. On the other hand. At a position like cornerback, if you can't run, you can't play. There's a reason. Josh Jackson looked great at Iowa. Now, he was he was in his zone coverage system against some bad quarterbacks in the Big Ten, that's for sure, and was put in a position to succeed because of it. You get to play Alex Hornibrook, that makes your life a lot easier. But in the NFL, at 4-5-3, that was going to be a question. And he looked like he dispelled a lot of those answers, was more athletic at his pro day, and early on with the Packers looked like he was fast enough. But it is pretty clear after two years that one of the things holding him back is a lack of elite athleticism. When you can't stick in coverage with someone like Jason Witten, 
that is a problem. And you go, how can that be? Jason Witten runs five flat. Well, it's about being able to throttle down, being able to change direction. There's so many things. It's not just straight line speed that matters. But the 40 with cornerbacks matters because you have to be able to run down the field. More than any other position, it is turn and run, turn and run, turn and run. And and offenses are going to these mesh concepts where you have to cover crossers across the field in man coverage. You have to you have to handle these deep over routes, these deep posts, skinny posts, go routes, double moves. You have to be able to be wrong and recover. If you can't run, you can't do it. If you can't run, you cannot do it. Jair Alexander, you know, he's he's four three. High four threes, but four three. That's real speed. Kevin King at six two running low four fours. He doesn't look like the fastest guy out there, but that's because he's he's tall, long strides. He can do it. Darnell Savage, low four threes. These guys can run, and that's what you need in your secondary. Now, when we're talking about pass rushers, it's jumps and it's three cone. They don't show the three cone, but pay attention. If you have a pass rusher you like in this draft, keep an eye on that three cone and keep an eye on those jumps. Explosiveness is important. And I would say explosiveness at all the positions is something that I look I look at, particularly at linebacker. I like the jumps because what you need is short area burst. You need to see it and hit it. See it and go. Put your foot in the ground, take three steps, and be at the ball carrier. I want to see that burst because even if you don't have the best instincts or you don't have the best read and reactability, you, you don't identify quickly. If you've got wheels, this was Ryan Shazier, by the way, and that's who Patrick Queen reminds me of. Raw coming out, doesn't always know exactly where to be, but because he plays 100 miles an hour, even if he guesses wrong, he's right because he can get there. And Shazier learned it. Shazier developed it, and it looks like Patrick Queen is learning it. Last quarter of the season, he was awesome. Early in the season, looked a little lost, looked a little overwhelmed at times. I bet he has crazy jumps. I mean, he's going to run in the 4-4s anyway, but I bet he's got great jumps too. He's going to change direction while he's going to look smooth. Those are the kinds of things that that you want to look for. And and I don't want you to, to put too much stock in the interviews because the Packers are going to take a player that they didn't interview. They They often do this. Now, I do think there are trends we can identify. Last year, they looked at a lot of edge players. They looked at a lot of tight ends. They, they had a clear pattern of, of the kinds of guys they were looking at, and I do think it gave us some insight into ultimately where they went. Keep an eye on some trends. If all of a sudden they're talking to you know, 15 of the, the top-name receivers, I think we have a pretty good idea of what's going on there. If all of a sudden they're, they're talking to an indie, by the way, a bunch of first-round offensive tackles, second-round offensive tackles, that might give us an indication of where Brian Bulaga's future is headed with Green Bay, too. So those are just a little bit of the nuances to keep an eye on. Mostly just enjoy it. It's going to be really fun, and it always is. There's going to be a lot of garbage, a lot of rumors, a lot of nonsense. Try and tune that out as best you can, but enjoy the enjoy that part of it, too. The smokescreen is part of the fun. So it is it is something that I get up for every, every year. I watch as much of it as I can. Um, do not get to go this year, unfortunately, but that, and that's just a timing thing. But I'll still be bringing you all the content I can, covering it as best I can on this show. As we finish up here, it is Mock Draft Monday. 
This is something that I want to talk a little bit deeper with uh, if we get a guest this week before the combine opens. And that is what I consider to be the drop-off at receiver. There are, to me, based on what I've watched, and I've watched a lot of these receivers, uh, there are 12 that I think can be real high-level secondary players or better. Okay? And... Brian Edwards is someone who I really liked out of South Carolina, just broke his foot, is now probably going to be a day three guy. If I'm the Packers, I'm absolutely rolling the dice, assuming the medicals come back decent. But the reason I bring up this 12 number in Denzel Mims is that is he's the 12th player on my list. And I think he is in that 50s range, high 40s, low 50s. There's a pretty big drop-off after that with these receivers. So while this is a deep class, and I, and I think there are a ton of great guys that the Packers can get day three, you know, fourth, fourth, fifth round, who can be rotational players for you, who can do specific things for you, who maybe could be developmental-type players for you. If you want someone who's going to come in year one and be productive for you, I think there's, there's a ceiling to how far you can go in terms of waiting. And I think for the Packers, it's the second round. And if if it's Mims and he's getting first-round buzz, every, this is going to be a draft about preferences, but there's if there's 12 guys, let's say there's 12, can you wait to 62 to get him? And if you are wondering about that, if you are worried about that, and I don't think 12 guys are going to go by, by 62, by the way, but if you're worried about that, if you think the drop-off is sooner, let's say you think there's 10 or 8 guys, then that affects how you plan for this draft. If you think there's only eight legit dudes who can come in and be your, your no-doubt lockdown number two guy with the potential to become a one or one B so long as Devontae Adams is there, you might have to take one of these guys in the first round, and that is breaking trend for the Packers. But given, given the, the shape of this draft, and I know everyone's going to say, oh, I love such and such a receiver in the third round. Okay, Great. I, I think there are some some really interesting players in the third round. Donovan Peoples-Jones and Juwan Jennings and Van Jefferson. Those guys are complementary pieces to me. They are receiver threes. Well, Green Bay's got a roster full of receiver threes and receiver fours. You want blue chip talent. And if not blue chip talent, then red chip talent or something close to it. And that means a top 50 pick. And in the Packers case, because it's not last year. Last year, they could have gone at 12, they could have gone at 30, they could have gone at 45. They did none of those things, and that put them in a position where they are now. That's okay, because they got some really good players, but your one shot to get that top 50 guy is at 30. And so maybe your best opportunity is to, is to take that shot in the first, take another shot in on day three, whether it's the fourth round, the fifth round, Again, Brian Edwards would be my guy for them. Your first fourth-round pick if you have to trade up for him, if you think that that's a thing that that's worth doing. I'm all about it, assuming those medicals check out. I think he's really good. I think he would be a top 50 player if he were healthy. And I actually like him better than his teammate, who is going to go in the top 15, Javon Kinlaw. That's just me. I value receivers over interior defenders who are not going to be great pass rushers. So it is just how I feel about the draft in general. We're going to be back tomorrow. A lot more to come with the Green Bay Packers and this combine conversation. So keep it locked here. Keep it locked on, of course. 
we're not to the end yet, but but please do that. Uh, remember to subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Subscribe, like us on Facebook, get the conversations going there for sure. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that. 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.